Hi, readers. I'm Jordan. And I'm Katie. And welcome to Not Another Heroine, the podcast where we break down the best and worst fictional heroines, those swashbuckling ladies who have to work a little harder than expected for their happy ending. This week, we're finishing up Crown Duel by Sherwood Smith, otherwise known as Can We Talk About the Hair? We kind of ended on a cliffhanger last week. We introduced the Marquis of Chevreuth and his many roles and outfits. Interrogator, ridiculous courtier, plume helmed commander. I mean, I really just like saying plume plume helms. It's <laughs> it's giving me flashbacks to those god awful marching band hats. Uh, I may or may not have worn one at one point. What? Uh, I <laughs> should not have brought that up. You cannot just pull that out in the middle of an episode. <laughs> they were so bad. They're awful. <sighs> I mean, I imagined it the same way, like exactly dead. I just straight mm. up from the top of his head, <laughs> all like uh, flingy in the wind. Yeah. Sidebar it, over. It's very. It's, <laughs> it's a dashing helm with. Dashing is not the word I'd use. <laughs> I, well, you know, is it? It's. It's. Yeah, it's better than the floppy hat. Oh, uh, floppy. I don't know. Uh, now that I say that, I'm not. This man just has a thing with weird hats. We need to move on from the hat. <laughs> yeah, we're, there's hats lots over. of hats. <laughs> I'm sure there will be more opportunities to discuss Chevreuil's, um outfit choices. True. Um, anyway, after a somewhat uneventful joint horseback ride to the capital, the Marquis escorts Mel to her audience with King Eldran. Yeah, keep in mind, uh, this chick, she's had a, a rough go of it. She can't walk right, that whole like illegal bear trap thing. She's, Oof. Mm, <laughs> she's real dirty. Yeah. Her clothes are lacking. Not <laughs> not in a sexy, like token female and a character in a video game kind of <laughs> way. Like she's yeah, she's not she has absolutely zero experience with court on top of it all. It's like this is not a good setup for our heroine. Like, can you imagine? No. Absolutely not. No fucking way. Mm, I mean, I get anxious over a conference call. Girl, same. Like, no way in hell would I be holding it together in Mel's shoes. But, you know, she limps into this grand throne room with her ever-present, I don't give a flying fuck about your fancy dresses attitude, <laughs> and basically tells King Galdron to go eat a big one and leave the magical tree people alone. I feel like this was one of the first moments where I liked Mel. I thought she had all of this gravitas and all kinds of confidence that if I were in her shoes, absolutely no fucking way. Like the scene where they start laughing, like that would have, I would have died right there and <laughs> just like falling over and they'd be like, oh, that's weird. Well, it's like she takes herself way too seriously in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Like this, and like, this is a very serious scene, but mm -hmm. it's a serious scene where you, where it's justified for her to be a little bit more extra, extra, but to good ends. Like it worked out. I'm glad that she did that. I'm glad that Sherwood Smith wrote her that way because any other kind of characteristic like characterization at that point would have fallen not flat, but you'd think of her as weaker and not in like a unreasonable way, but this just shows what kind of character she is. Like does not care what other people think. She's going to be like loud and crazy and like confident weirdly in particular points, but not in others. But this was like her moment and it's like, okay, this is what kind of character we're like dealing with. Well, and it's, jarring too right because in the moment she has this perception of herself as this woebegone kind of 
figure, mm. but everyone else sees her and is impressed. Mm -hmm. I love that dichotomy. I think it's later when she finds out that's how other people saw her. Because at the time, you're like, oh, my God, these people are assholes. Like, she's obviously hurt. Her foot is fucked up by this bear trap. And she's still, you know, limping her way on her own to the front, to the throne. And this guy's a total dick. But after reading like later in the book that they were all on her side and like, holy shit, this girl has balls. It's like, oh, okay, that's good that they actually were real people and weren't assholes the whole time. And it's just one person that's an asshole. <laughs> exactly. And if you can't hear it in the background right now, that is a squeaky dog toy that we're going to <laughs> remove. So stay with Maybe. us. Maybe. Yeah. He looks so handsome though. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Squeaky. Sans squeaky toy. Sans squeaky toy. Uh, we should be okay moving moving on. Yes. Now I've completely forgotten where we were at. Uh, she's terrified about being in front of this big, powerful dude in gross oh, clothes. Which I would too. okay. <laughs> Reasonable. Can you, okay, second, can you imagine question, but the marquee. Like, you and I both know how this story ends, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But imagine being the marquee in this situation, like holding this tiny little woman up knowing like oh yeah i i feel like he would not be conflicted but he would have two major like feelings at the time i feel like part of him would be really angry with king galdrin because i feel like all of this is very uh inauthentic and mean and cruel and i feel like he's not that kind of person as we find out later but i feel like an, another part of him is also like fuck yeah, Mel. Like, I didn't know you had those kind of balls. Like, I have respect for you. And I feel like it's almost one of those turning points where he's like, okay, you're a chaotic storm cloud of a person, but like a good chaotic storm cloud. <laughs> chaotic good? Yeah, chaotic. Oh my God, that's Mel. Chaotic good. <laughs> chaotic good, for sure. That is, that is, yeah. Okay. Well, Mel is... Humiliated? <laughs> Humiliated, yes. Uh, but particularly because she's a countess. Her mm. mother was a descendant of the former ruling party. I forget exactly how that shakes out, but like her mother is mm -hmm. like prior royalty. Um, and so Mel's here representing her family in the worst way possible. Um, as expected, right? She gets yeah. thrown in the dungeon to await her almost guaranteed execution date. This is not a chivalrous style dungeon where she continues to get medical care and enough food. No, this is this sucks, frankly. <laughs> Mel's foot, which was on track to heal throughout her journey to the capital, starts to fester again. She's starving. I mean, she's been starving the entire story, but she's still starving here. Um, she's cold. She almost has some sort of nasty dungeon flu thing going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. But you know what, Katie? Hmm. Mel probably would have been a lot better off had she stuck to her original plan and uh! kept her identity <laughs> close hold and remained in Chevreus enemy camp. Yep. But no, our favorite character, fucking Bran, yep. just had to execute his half-assed rescue attempt. I there are so many points in this story where you could say something similar and it still remains true. Like you could take that comment out of context and put it in a different mm -hmm. context somewhere later in this book. And it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's still true. Fuck brand. Our, <laughs> our main conclusion from this story is oh, fuck brand. God. But all is, all is not lost though. 
when Mel starts to give up internally, like she's in a dungeon, she's dying, she's going to die pretty soon. Uh, she's resigned to her inevitable death and the destruction of the covenant. Um, and then a mysterious benefactor or benefactors seem to take charge of her prison experience. Like a blanket starts appearing every night and is promptly removed the next morning. You know, that's not suspicious at all. Uh, <laughs> she starts to receive better food and water. Um, those lords and ladies who watched her ballsy confrontation with King Galdron start to appear to observe her throughout the day. This is all weird. Mm -hmm. I like this because I feel like it's one of those points where Sherwood Smith kind of inserts that uh, people are complex. They're not just good or bad. Oh, I like that. And yeah, she has some shitty guards, but at the same time, I feel like probably half the guards are like, this is just a young girl. She's royalty. She at a base level shouldn't be treated this way. So it's just nice that she can kind of show some humanity in there, but also show the conflict that people are having. Like they want to help her, but also they can't help her. And this is such a like good contrast to other similar scenes we've read a hundred times yes. where our lead heroine is thrown in the dungeon and she's suffering and dying and there's there's no hope, there's no glimmer, there's no there's no humanity worked into the other characters. Everyone's yes. bad and she's the only good one. And this is just not the case here. Or when the only humanity shown is by the other uh, main guy love yeah, interest. Yeah, the dude. Yeah. It's like, no, there's other people that are going to see this and feel conflicted and maybe do their little tidbit to help out. It's not just going to be that one person that cares. And it makes it a lot more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Um, but Mel is, she's obtuse. Like maybe. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's new information. I mean, she's maybe a little too willing to assume the worst in people. She's mm, already prejudiced yeah. against um, Shibayeth. Mm -hmm. She's going to put that out there. Uh, so when her family's loyal spy, Asmus. As Asmus? Asmus. How do we say that name? I just see the AZ and like skip past the rest. <laughs> we'll go, but we'll call him As. That no, 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 not Az. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's gonna sound weird. Over, <laughs> we'll call him Azzy. Azzy, Azzy, Azzy. That's uh, appropriate. <laughs> yeah, this is a character we're introduced to in the very beginning of the book, but he's low key, like mm -hmm. exactly what a spy should be, like forgettable. Azzy appears um, one night uh, to orchestrate her rescue. Ooh, the intrigue. Mm -hmm. What exactly does this rescue entail? Um, what doesn't this rescue entail? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very drawn it out. It is very. Like, do you know, Katie, by any chance, whose carriage it is that Mel is smuggled out of the capital in? Ooh, please tell me. Mm. Princess freaking Alestra of Renzelaus. That's Akko because who is that? <laughs> None other than the Marquis of Chivreus mother that's double Akko. that's weird <laughs> um and mel thinks it's weird right but mm -hmm. she's yeah anyway this is this is where the politics and the world building starts to get more introduced it's complicated but in a good way mm -hmm. uh, yes in, in short Renzelaus is a large and very powerful province of ramalna that until a few centuries prior to like mel's events it was its own sort of mini kingdom Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's cool. I, I like this mm -hmm. little touch of this. Mm -hmm. So Princess Alestra and her husband are still big players in Romalna politics and are currently in the line of succession, mm -hmm. which means so is their son. Yeah. They have a lot to lose, I feel like mm -hmm. is the key word. I mean, it appears to Mel, though, um, 
as if Princess Alestra is oblivious to the fact that a stowaway is lodged in her carriage trunk. So that is the part I love about this whole scene because you kind of come from the impression that this is all really good luck, but it's also just like staggered and staccato enough when she's talking that you're like, does she know? Like, is there more to this story than we think? But it's also just coming from Mel's perspective. So you assume the worst in people too, because she just defaults to that. But it's just so weird and like weird enough that you're kind of like your eyes squint a little bit and you're like, that's suspicious. That's weird. It's like <laughs> the benefit of a third person narrative mm. almost. Mm -hmm. Just it that's kind of the style of it. Uh, or the way she develops the other characters. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. you have all of Mel's biases mm -hmm. when you're interacting with these people through her lens. So you, you assume the worst of them or like question their motives, but, but then you still pick up on the weirdness. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, yeah. Well, all Mel, all Mel knows is what Azzy knows. And that mm -hmm. is like his unspecified contacts and resources in Ramalna city like indicated that the princess's carriage would be the carriage to get tucked into. Mm -hmm. uh, but shockingly, Mel makes it out of the capital undiscovered and manages to exit the carriage in a small town with no one, including the princess, the wiser. Or so she thinks. I love that part too, because you can feel the tension because she's not sure if she's going to get out in, I feel like all other books, she would immediately get caught and like yanked out. But you're like, Oh shit, she's gonna make it. Like as a reader, <laughs> like she's done nothing but mess up the yeah. entire story. Like, like this is gonna go wrong again. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, magically, coincidentally, it turns out okay. Right? Like, what do, <laughs> what do we even do as a reader at this point? Like, do we take a break? No, we don't take a break. We keep going. Yep. That's what we do. Full send. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a bit of a lag in the story here. Yeah. So uh, full send with a little asterisk mm, after it. Yeah. <laughs> Mel is bounding around the countryside, trying to avoid capture by the Marquis of Chevreuth and the, all caps, Evil Baron, yes. who have made a wager against each other as to who can find, capture, and return Mel to King Galdrin first. Uh, so, by the way, the Evil Baron is the same dude whose forces she and Bran successfully harassed and turned around at the start of the war. Oh, I... Totally skip past. Like, I knew, but I also didn't know. So he's out for revenge. Oh, he is. The Baron is, like, personally invested in capturing Mel because this is the girl who caused him to lose his job and be replaced by Shivraith. So it's personal. It's very personal. <laughs> like, evil Baron is going to be real evil. And he's mad. <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> And bitter. Mm. <laughs> but again, Mel successfully avoids capture for quite a while. Like, at what point... She receives help from a middle-class farming family. Um, and this is the part of the story that goes on a little bit longer than you would expect. But I think the author uses Mel's interactions with the family to underscore how very little Mel understands about the world. Mm -hmm. like Mel and her brother are all about going to war to save the trees and stop these crippling tax laws. But they don't really consider the implications of a civil war would have on the general populace. True. Yeah, it's either like, the farmer himself or his wife, I don't remember which, that like acknowledges how unfair these things are. Like the, the tree thing and then the taxes. Oh yeah. It's the it's the wife. It's the wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's she's another cool lead female character. Not lead, yeah. but female character that provides Yeah, because she makes like a hard decision to protect her family. Mm -hmm. And the hard decision is do I keep this, you know, uh fugitive in my house and not tell anyone and hope no one finds out? 
or do I like turn her loose and say like, I know you're all fucked up and you're about to die, but like, good luck. It's either you or me. There's a healthy balance that she finds here. Yes. Like, yeah. Like the farmer's wife, like she are, kind of articulates that they would rather keep the current king in place uh, than suffer having military troops like traipsing about the countryside destroying crops, looting, and having, like, conscription go into effect. Mm, like, mm -hmm. when, as a country, they just got done fighting, like, the pirate wars, uh, like, a couple decades ago. Yeah. I liked this part, too, because it was a subtle way for Sherwood Smith to, uh, like, introduce some world building on the outside that's not super overwhelming, but it kind of gives you a little bit of context of what people are thinking, but in a very subtle way where it's just, like, little hints of, like, oh, like, there were some wars ago, like, oh, there's conscription and they're just now getting over it. Like it's all these little tidbits that are not overwhelming, but they kind of build everything while you're going through the story. It makes me wonder how many stories she had already had in her head to like also write when she wrote this yeah, one. Yeah, that's kind of similar to George R. R. Martin where he has like 80 billion years of backstory and then he writes the actual story and there's all these like little like, oh, there was a civil war 600 years ago and that's why this kingdom is now, you know, part of the seven whatevers. And yeah, it's less overwhelming and more uh, accessible though. When so Sherwood much Smith more accessible. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sherwood Smith. Um, anyway, the, the conversation with the farmer's wife, it really sticks with Mel. And that's the one of the great things that I really liked about her as a heroine. She has, Mel has strong convictions, but she's not so rigid in her beliefs that she's unwilling to listen to other opinions or contemplate like alternative hypotheses. Mm, mm -hmm. it, it was also her first, uh, well, maybe not her first, but her first big real uh, coming to Jesus moment. That, <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, that like maybe the people aren't quite as hyped up about breaking the covenant as Mel is. And there's maybe like more complexities in the world than just good and bad. Mm -hmm. It's like her okay, like maybe I can see this from other people's perspective and there's other ways we can go about this than just overthrowing the king and finding someone else and yeah, the, the et cetera. She can admit when she's wrong yeah. and like made a mistake. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I kind of struggle with that. Oh, My, girl, same. So yeah, good job. So I respect her. She, yeah. can, she can do it. This is like we, like you grow with Mel throughout the story and you just like her more and more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Mel departs this farming family for their safety like mm -hmm. she's like no I, I don't want to jeopardize you that's the last thing i want so she she goes away um galdrin's forces are nearby they're like they're going door to door she she needs to just gen like blend uh, <laughs> blend generally among the the populace which i feel like is hard um I can't even imagine because you're stressed out. So you look anxious. And so that's a red flag. And this isn't a time where people didn't, you know, willy nilly go from city to city. Like they would look at newcomers and be like, that's weird. Like, you who don't the fuck belong are you? here. Yeah. And then she's also like, you know, like in a hat sweating. She's like, oh my God, don't look at me. Like mm. the shifty eyes. It's like, okay, yeah. Uh, right there is probably the fugitive walking down the street. <laughs> but can we, okay. But can we talk? Can we talk about the hair? Oh, the hair. The <laughs> hair. Maybe we should call this episode the hair. That's, yeah, the mm. hair. There it is. Done. It, <laughs> it basically goes down to her butt. Yep. And it's beautiful. It's this bright auburn. Not distinctive at all. <laughs> no, right? no, not at all. And like, I get it. She's been growing her hair out for years. This is fucked up some sort of homage to her dead mother. But yeah, really? Yeah. This is a vanity thing. I was surprised that she didn't immediately cut it off. I know. Because like, like uh, for 
the readers or I guess listeners in this context, mm -hmm. but uh, she doesn't cut it off at any point in never cuts her hair at all. Right. I don't think throughout the whole book. No, I there's not a single scene that I can recall where she cuts her hair. No. And girl, if you really needed to escape, that's the first thing to go, because it's also probably all gross and like, yeah, it's like she got bathed or whatever at the, the farmer's house. But running through the sticks and like on horseback and wind like if you have the windows open your hair gets fucked up like, right? like <laughs> i mean uh, to say nothing of how heavy it would be oh yeah Ugh. i can't mm. even imagine and then you get like sticks and shit in it and then it's even heavier and then it's like greasy the whole time Ugh. i yes. i i know mm. i was thinking about that because she's out like running away from king galdron's troops like for a week the like weeks i think on end. like months mm -hmm. yeah so her hair is probably super gross 21st century thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe Sherwood Smith is trying to avoid the cliche of like, oh, I am <gasps> yeah, going like, to chop all my hair off and be one of the boys or blend in. And Oh, that's not where I thought you were going. I thought uh, kind of the cliche that a lot of authors do where the main character heroine is obviously struggling and fucked up and hurt and dirty, but they always talk about how they're like, subtly beautiful still and it's like no if you're running out on the streets in the woods for months on end you're gonna be disgusting <laughs> like have you guys seen alone on netflix like those people look like swamp monsters after like 30 days it's so bad <laughs> and that's another again another cool thing about mel and the descriptors used for mel is she's never described as like beautiful that's true and she very well is like if you look at the first like cover art for this oh, book yeah. like mm -hmm. i mean she's she's pretty mm -hmm. um but the characters never mention it that's nice it's yeah. refreshing and she doesn't hyper focus on it herself either. that's also refreshing because it's hard to try to come into a book and be like well from the personal context of like i don't want to focus on my appearance too much like instagram has you know made women look a very certain way and if you don't look that way like you sucks <laughs> like <laughs> don't know what to tell you but like get some plastic surgery or something so it's like nice to come into this book where beauty isn't really a main you know theme or like a continuing conversation because there's some books that everyone's beautiful the main character is beautiful and it's like oh so these adventures only happen to beautiful people it's and it's not actively avoided either mm -hmm. it's just not a thing and yeah it doesn't occur to you as a reader right like either. yeah because it doesn't happen in everyday life that you're like constantly thinking about how good looking people are maybe like, for some people that no, that's fair okay <laughs> heavy caveat yeah. yeah henry cavill anyone oh <laughs> my god <laughs> anyway anyway um so okay mel is still successfully avoiding her pursuers good for her yeah at one point though she's just chilling on the side of the road trying to blend in still with this like caravan of traders and they're they're sitting on the side of the road because King Galjan's troops are riding by, and the evil Baron and Shivrayeth are at the front. Ugh. My heart rate started increasing mm -hmm. when I read this scene. So Mel, Mel like huddles further into her peasant garb and looks up, just as Shivrayeth turns ever so slightly and makes eye contact with her. Oh, I got shivers when I was reading this too. Like I imagined her just like super fucking nervous and like sweating and like, oh my God, don't look at him. Don't look at him. And then all of a sudden it's like eye contact. <laughs> but <laughs> <It's> like, oh! <laughs> this guy, this guy doesn't bat an eye. 
no smirk, no wink, <laughs> no emotion whatsoever. And Mel wonders, holy shit, is my disguise really that good? <laughs> like, no, girl. No, it's not. No, this it's is just, just not. <laughs> this is just what a cool motherfucker. <laughs> I love this whole interaction because Mel immediately is like, oh, he didn't recognize me. It's like, no, girl, you dumbass. <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh, God. I love that scene. She's so naive, so, but in like a funny, refreshing in way, a like, delightful way. Obviously not. And it's funny too because as the reader, you're like, "No, you're not that lucky." Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we'll go along with it for now. Yeah. Anyway, so she escapes again. Uh, for some reason or another, Shivrath doesn't sound the alarm. He That's just suspicious, right? <laughs> he just keeps riding alongside of the Baron, and like this gives Mel another chance to get away. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, leather, rinse, repeat. Like that does happen like a lot times. <laughs> so I can't, I don't even know. Right. Like this series of close calls continues to happen. And Mel stays like just half a step ahead of her pursuers. Mm -hmm. It's a little exhausting to read. And even Mel is tired of it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of gets to the point where she can't see any good ending for herself. And like, we, we really need the story to gather some more momentum and push towards the end. Mm -hmm. But like, as if things couldn't possibly get any worse. Like, she runs out of food and she gets hungry. Oh, <laughs> God. I cannot imagine. Yeah. I mean, I've made some pretty poor decisions in the name of appetite. But, like, Mel. <laughs> I forgot about the scene. Is this is okay. This is the scene. This is Mel goes in for the kill on oh this my one. God. Like, the fucking audacity of this woman is just primo A plus. Mm -hmm. Oh my like, god. This scene is so freaking good. I like I want to see this scene in a movie. Oh yes. It would, it would be like perfect. Mm -hmm. Like indescribable, like the moment that's in the trailer, probably too. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's action. It's funny. Okay. Yes. Mel Mel is hanging out in a busy tavern. Which girl Mistake number one, but mm -hmm, continue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she knows it too. She's like, oh, this is probably wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> this isn't a good idea. <laughs> uh, it's late at night. There's some sort of country fair style dancing going on. And she's tucked herself into a corner trying to like eye an opportunity to steal some food. But then she sees him. The Baron. The Baron. The Baron. The evil Baron. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> He's just chowing down at his own personal table, giving off like full entitled rich dude vibes. Um, and the table's like covered in food too. Yeah. I love that little detail. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, so he's like a real asshole because you know he's not going to eat it all. No, he just wanted to try everything. I Ugh, mean, gross. So Mel knows before she even like fully conceptualizes this plan that this is going to be a dumb idea. Yeah. Dumb idea. TM, mm -hmm. like full copyright. <laughs> But she's hungry. Okay. She's she she's hungry. He's an asshole. And like better yet, it would be funny. Like Mel even says this herself. It would be funny. <laughs> I love that part because we all have had those like ideas where it's like, this isn't gonna go well, but like the comedic value. Mm. Like I have to. Yeah, I can't not do this. <laughs> yeah. So she waits for like the right timing and then wheeze into the crowd of dancers near the Baron's table, like using some dirty street fighting moves she <laughs> trips the drunkest dancer right into the baron loved it mm -hmm. and all the commotion mel darts in grabs some bread a sandwich something off the baron's plate shoves it in her mouth and then gets the fuck out of there as fast as she possibly can i loved this whole well, like, oh my god like but wait there, there's more right she yep. she makes it outside the tavern and there's like a zoned out looking guard holding the baron's magnificent white horse i lost it still <laughs> 
trying to cram the sandwich down her throat. Mel scrambles onto this horse and just takes off. I love it. This is such like Mel style. Everything executed exactly in character, like fucking perfect. <laughs> like this was probably the dumbest thing that happens to her throughout the whole book. Yeah. But the and she did it herself. All by herself. Yep. No. <laughs> The image, like, I can't even be mad at her. She rides away on this horse laughing around her sandwich. <laughs> it's the kind of, like, hysterical laughing where she's thinking, man, I fully lost it now. My life is definitely over. But I'm going to die. <laughs> totally worth it to see the look on the Baron's face. Yep. Mel doesn't make it very far. Uh, she gets captured and dragged to the evil Baron's evil fortress where she is immediately taken to a torture chamber. This made me sad. <laughs> I was hoping that, you know, we'd have, like, this dramatic getaway attempt and it would be successful but that's kind of asking a lot right. of she got a, she <laughs> away with a lot with the horse and the sandwich yeah, and all of that yeah, but yeah uh, and it's also like a 180 on your emotions because mm -hmm. you're like oh my god she's gonna make it and then it's like oh she is in a worse spot than she was originally <laughs> and she's kind of like given up herself like mm -hmm. she's in a dark place right now well there you're in a torture mm -hmm. chamber oh yeah like like yeah so she gets tied to a chair by the Baron and his minions, and the Baron promises to return shortly. Like, he darkly warns the nondescript yet clearly sinister torture master to wait for him to get back before they, quote, start anything. And I feel like it's worth mentioning, too, that this scene, while we kind of, like, talk about it, like, yeah, happy and funny, it was super dark to read because you feel because it's in again first person. So Mel's like sadness about all this and her like defeat, you feel it. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, she's not gonna make it out of this. No. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're they're not gonna wait. Like the torture master is snickering. Like he yeah. starts fiddling with his tools, like the teeth pulling pliers. Uh, like, but he finally settles on pulling out this flaming hot brand. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Mel is terrified, like completely terrified. So terrified that she sneezes. What? Yep. Sneezes. <laughs> I had to double check this, like go back to the book and cause I thought she like looked down and was like, no, I'm going to die. No, she just sneezes. It's the, it's the brand. That is so I fucking love that. It's mm -hmm. so on brand for Mel. Like <laughs> <laughs> just like. In the face of this absolute horror, and she's like, Achoo! Yeah. <laughs> Achoo! And then she looks up and like sees an expression of surprise fixed on the torturer's face. Right above a knife protruding from his throat. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I trust my timing was more or less advantageous, the Marquis of Chevreuth asks, indicating the knife. <gasps> my soul. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Talk about like full body warm fuzzies on this scene, man. Mm -hmm. Like I imagined him like standing in the doorway, like backlit. And then he just has this fucking bomb ass one liner. <laughs> Another like great Netflix scene right here. Yep. He knows how to make a fucking entrance. Yeah. Like, of course though, like we get another fade to black scene because of course. like, I don't blame Mel in the slightest. Yeah. Like, this is a lot to process. That's a lot to, that's a lot going on. <laughs> like I've read this book a few times. Like, and certain scenes more than others. But this particular one has stuck with me since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, Shivraith is just so damn memorable. And he <laughs> doesn't even really get that much page time here. It's like less than a paragraph. Mel nearly gets tortured. He shows up, says his sassy comment, and then cut. Yep. I feel like he thought about what he was going to say. 
Like oh. knowing, <laughs> like finishing the whole book and knowing what I know about Shavraith, like he for sure, he's like <laughs> had a brainstorming session, had like outside opinions. He's like, is this too hokey? And it's like, no, just the perfect amount. <laughs> he probably waited too. He's probably standing in the doorway the whole time, right? Like just around the corner, barren leaves. He pops around. No, he doesn't have any tools yet. Oh, wait, the brand's out. Now it's my time. It's money time. Go time. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> all right. Like look, when Mel finally comes around, she is trying and failing to put all of these pieces together. Like what is Shivraith? I'm going to mutilate that name as we go. Like, it's a weird, you just see the S-H-E-V and you're Shev. like, oh, that guy. Shiv. <laughs> Shiv. Like what's he, what's he really trying to accomplish? Like why does he keep helping her when she knows he's got to have some sort of like negative ulterior motive? Mm-hmm. I felt that way too. when I was trying to read through this and she has all of her confusion. Like the first time I know for sure that I read this, I was like, 20 maybe younger than that i had no fucking idea this was way too much <laughs> intrigue it went straight over my head i'm like wait so he's a, a good guy now but like maybe not a good guy like, what? like, like gray area right like, yeah i was very confused so i get it mel yeah we're, we're with <laughs> you on this one mel, mel's got an entire horseback ride to Renzelaus to figure these things out but mm, mm-hmm. uh she's escorted not by shivraith but by some of his loyal personal guard Shivraith is off doing mysterious Shivraith things. So Mel blacks <laughs> out after Shivraith saves her. He disappears and she wakes up on a horse with his personal guard. Meet Captain Nisarin. Ah, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> like Mel is our heroine, our lead, and we love her. But I would kill for Nisarin to have her own story. <gasps> yes. I want to know everything about her backstory mm-hmm. because like for context, um, if you're someone that hasn't read this book, but you're listening to it because you're like, ooh, like, do I want to read this book? Which, yes, you should. Um, Please read this but book. But Captain Nisrayan is like a girl and it's not, you know, there's not a lot of attention brought to the fact that she's a woman in charge of her own little like troop of uh, scouts or warriors or fighters or whatever. But she's just like, She's a badass woman. <laughs> super professional badass soldier. Yes, professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good... Mm-hmm. She never never competes with Mel. She just gets the job done, doesn't make a big deal about it. Yes. Uh, well, Nisarin and her team get Mel to Rensselaus. Pal- like, the palace, like, wherever wherever they're going. They're mm-hmm. going to Rensselaus. It's the family fortress there. Right. But, Which is interesting, too, that they're not going back to the capital. Yeah. Like, just a little why is Shifreyeth, <laughs> like, rerouting her to his family lands? Hmm. That's mm. suspicious. Yeah. Well, and guess who's waiting for her there? Who? Fucking Bran. Man, why weren't you out there trying to find your sister? That's the first question I had. Mm. I'm like, he just like popped back in when it was convenient for him. That's probably not what happened, but <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely we coming can from it that way. That's fine. A colored perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> well, all the pieces like fall into place for her, and like we quickly learn that the Renzelaus family, Princess Alestra, her husband, and Shivraith. Plus tons of other leading families at court have been carefully building up to a nonviolent coup to displace King Geldron and fix the country. Wild. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Key here being like nonviolent coup. Mm-hmm. Shivraith has been like politicking for years to get everything lined up just so until like what does our favorite country bumpkin count and countess of Talanth do? Gives him an opportunity. (laughs) Well, they kick off a very violent civil war with no experience, planning, or real idea of what to do should they even succeed in removing King Galdron. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because this is very much a foil for Mel and Chivreus' 
not relationship, but interactions Mm -hmm. is he's this very careful planner, puts everything together, like has to-do lists, you know, planners down to the like three-fourths of a minute. And then you have Mel like burst in and she's like, they're going to hurt the hill folk. (laughs) Overthrow the king. (laughs) I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but you're so, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah. She just like ruined all of his plans. He's like basically his whole life and probably part of his parents' life. Yeah. Like They're he- like, we're going to stage this coup. Like it's going to be nonviolent. Like the people are behind us. And Mel is like, anyway, I'm going to uh, fuck up your plans. Like, all right, <laughs> these people have got their shit together and they're trying like, yeah. They're trying to do the right thing by the SDRs because they're technically on the same side. Mm, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, Mel and Bran like keep messing their plans up. Very naively. Shafuria mm-hmm. finally realizes it's time to clue in Mel and Bran on to like the big boy wargaming. Mm. And he could have done that earlier, except Mel was running around the countryside, pissing <laughs> off evil barons. And Bran, well, Oopsie. Bran, well, yeah, yeah, Bran very reasonably, though, listens to Shafuria and says, like, okay, bud, you just, you know, you tell me what to do, right? <laughs> Which irritates me because, like, Bran was one half of this, like, letter that was written to all of the courtiers from, it was from Mel and Bran, and they had this, you know, idea of, like, King Caldron needs to either, you know, step down or be kicked off the throne. Like, it was a two-person idea, and then all of a sudden he's okay for, like, Shavraith to be like, okay, this is what I need you to do, and he's like, okay. I'll just do it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, Ugh, Bran. I, Bran. I hate, he is the more rational one here. That I will give him that. <laughs> Once Mel gets to like the Renzelaus family and they all powwow, get the cards on the table, Bran's like, come on, Mel, stop being such a bad word. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. Uh, but, like, Vidanric and I are all pals now, and you really need to chill out. Like, And by the way, Vidanric is, is Shivraeus' first name. That threw me for a fucking no, loop. The too. first time I was like, who is, who's Vedandric? Like, who? So, <laughs> so what's Shivraya? Like, like, we don't yeah, have a, two separate people. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have enough names to keep straight already. Like. Yeah. Vedandric equals Shivraya equals the Marquis equals. Renzelaus. Oh, yeah. That too. Uh-huh, and yeah. then also the guy that wears the plumed helm. Plumed helmed. The plumed helm. Mm. <laughs> Yikes. There's, okay. There's a ton of action packed in at the end of this book. Mm. True. After Mel finally realizes the full scope of the Renzelaus family plans, she still has some doubts. Mm. First off, she's got some older brother hero worship thing going on and thinks Bran would make a great king because he's just so, like, real, you know? Yikes. Like, this is seriously her justification for Bran to be king. He's real. I kind of, like, skipped past all that, too, because I think in my head I just assumed that it was a really bad idea. I was like, she's going to put, like, Bran on the throne? Like, the fuck? Like, someone's going to tell her no. And, uh, uh, <laughs> well, okay, so Princess and Alestra and company are all, well, we've been kind of doing this ruling thing for centuries. And, oh, by the way, my son would obviously be the next king. Yeah. Considering, like, how much Mel thinks she despises Shivraith, this, this does not go over well. So to Bran's annoyance, she kind of pulls out a white flag and says, we're not going to get in the middle of your coup attempt, but we really don't want to support you directly. Like, just let us go home and we'll stay out of your way. My heart hurted. That's not a very good way to put that. But my heart hurted for Mel in this point. I heard it too. Because she, 
I feel like even while she was being chased across the countryside in was in a torture chamber and all this crazy shit, I feel like she still had this naive belief that things were going to work out and Bran was going to take the throne and they were going to live happily ever after. But this is basically her meeting like, uh, what's that term they use in politics? It's like not a great, the establishment. I hate that term because of all of the like alt-right leanings with Mm -hmm. it. But that's like kind of what she's like facing up against now. It's like the establishment, like, no, like we're in power. We've been in power. We know how this should go. Like, I love your enthusiasm, but it's going to be a no. It's cute, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, it's fine. Well, she's smart enough to realize that she and Bran are way outgunned and overmatched. Like there's, there's not much they can do to help anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. She and Brand apart, the Rensselaer family, kind of in this bitter, resentful state. Yeah. Mel, Mel is ticked off at the world in general, as she usually is. And part of that is almost certainly this unacknowledged realization that she and Brand just weren't good enough to accomplish what they set out to do. Uh, my heart hurts for her. <laughs> it hurted. <laughs> Mel, you know, of course, interprets these uncomfortable feelings as just a general like dislike of aristocrats and Shifraith in particular. Mm-hmm. Bran, he's kind of a brat, but like understandably so. His like his whole shtick is Vidanric is a good guy and let's just take the easy route and support them. And why can't you be more malleable, Mel? Yes. That is a very good summation of Bran as a person. He's like, go with the flow. Like, what's the easiest option? I don't want to piss anyone off. Like, this to a T. Like, yep. exactly. And you know, it kind of goes back to the whole Mel's character and her foil against Shivraith. Bran does the same thing for Mel in a different way. Mm, yeah. Like one sibling is the uh, not controlling because that has like bad connotations, but very headstrong, wants things the way she wants them, doesn't understand if they don't go that way. And then Bran's the like chill surfer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because he's the oldest. Yeah, that's super weird. Because mm-hmm. I feel like firstborns are always they a have little. A thing. Yeah, I'm a firstborn. I'm so. a firstborn. Oh, okay, there it is. <laughs> yeah, they're like us. And then you have Bran, who's not. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, they're riding along, looking forward to returning home to their dilapidated castle, having frankly accomplished absolutely nothing over the course of several months until out of nowhere, Bran is shot in the back with an illegal arrow. Holy fuck, dude, this scene. <laughs> it was. So much just they were like talking, like riding, and you're like, oh, they're gonna go home. This is sad. Bang! Shot with an arrow. <laughs> right, like, and who's responsible? I had no idea. None whatsoever. Like, I didn't know what was is happening. Shivrayeth just playing a long game. Like, hmm. Like Mel panics. Bran holds it together, smacks her horse hard enough to kick it into a gallop away from him. Like, save our people, he dramatically flourishes before <laughs> slumping forward on his horse again. Like, remember part one? Yeah. Netflix edition, Bran style? I did kind of appreciate Bran for, he was taking care of his little sister. He was. I feel like it's definitely like older brother vibes here. But also like, that's probably not smart knowing who Mel is as a person. (laughs) Okay, Mel escapes unwillingly and Bran is likely dead, dying, or about to be captured. She immediately suspects Shivraya's people. Like, he had arranged for an escort to follow them home, like, from mm, a strategic mm-hmm. distance to keep them safe, but, like, not tie their forces together. Yeah. And she believes this was his opportunity to get rid of the troublesome Astiar since they were so ungrateful as to reject his implied claim to the throne. 
which fair interpretation based on the information we have from Pel Mel's perspective. Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't want to be unfair to her, but also girl. Like, are you sensing a <laughs> pattern here? Like Mel leaps to a conclusion in favor of her own biases and everyone around her has to work twice as hard to save her ass. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Like, Sadly. <laughs> like, no, definitely wasn't Shifreya's people. He saves Bran and Mel again. <laughs> Again, <laughs> again, <laughs> like, she, oh, like that what, poor this man. story would not move forward without Shavreya. Like, no, uh, -uh. yeah. Everyone, I just imagine he's kind of like a very haggard, tired, like father snatching up these like little babies no. that keep her like <laughs> totally on the verge of self destruction. He's like, ah, oh, God, I gotta like save them again. They're sticking their fingers in outlets. Like, <laughs> but okay, remember at the very beginning, how old is Shavreya? Oh, that's true. He's not the same age as Brand. Like that's how Mel describes him. Responsibility. So, oh, he's an only child. I was about oh. to say he has <laughs> he has older sibling vibes, like what we were talking about, where you feel like you have to control everything and take care of the whole family and you're tired all the time. Or maybe only child things where your parents throw a bunch of extracurriculars at you, like and that's your oh. entire life. Like, oh, you will be the future king and that's all you'll you're doing yeah. your entire life. And he's childhood. like Anyways, I'm going to go chase around these two, like, we hobgoblin, rustic children. Maybe he's like, oh, but I want to be friends with you. <laughs> he's like, wow, this is friendship. It's like, no, you're just chasing them around and saving yeah. them. <laughs> we'll get there, but not, 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 not quite. yet. Well, okay, <laughs> everyone regroups, and ta-da, with less than 50 pages left in the story. Mm, yeah. They're all preparing for a head-to-head -head battle with King Galdrin, the evil Baron, and the rest of the troops. Like... Mel and Bran really have no choice but to join Shivraith. Um, even, okay. I, I loved the final battle. It was realistic. It was. Like, even, even the author is kind of blasé about this final battle and conclusion. True. It doesn't take very long, and it's kind of an afterthought. That's how I read it. Yeah, I did too. Uh, okay, we, we all know, by, by now at least, no one important really gets killed off, despite many repeated opportunities to do so. So Mel charges into the battle, fully knowing she's going to suck, but she's got to protect Bran um, because he would make a better future king. I also thought that she wanted to be in this battle, and maybe she wouldn't admit it to herself, but because she didn't want to be left out. Oh, yeah. I kind of got that impression from her that she didn't want this to just be... And they don't talk about gender roles, but she didn't want it to just be like a guy thing where, you know, they go out and do the macho thing. She's like, no, like I'm fucking going out there too. Like they are the ones that want to kill me. Like I'm going to be there at yeah. least, even though I don't know how to really do anything fighting wise. <laughs> well, okay. And for someone who's so like exuberant and like charges forward into situations, mm -hmm. she's got a lot of insecurities. Yes. Yeah. And this was kind of a refreshing point, too, because she was kind of upfront that she didn't know how to fight. She was okay staying back, like hanging out because she knew that she couldn't fight anyone. And I think in the beginning, she had she even says, like, I would last 0.2 seconds hand to hand combat or like fighting against anyone else. And that's why she does all the like guerrilla warfare stuff. Mm -hmm. But she's very like upfront with herself. And she's like, I just want to be there. But even though. I would like die immediately. <laughs> I, I, it's a it's a pride thing for her. Mm, yeah, there it is. Mm -hmm. Done. <laughs> but like, we can knock out this battle real quick. Mm -hmm. King Galdran sees this tiny redhead in the midst of the battle and is gunning for her. Mm -hmm. like, 
Mel braces for impact, except a fucking course. Guess who's there to save her just in time? Shivraith uh, <laughs> distracts Galdrin and is immediately set upon by three other soldiers. Akko. King Galdrin goes after Mel again and then fade to black. I also, so when King Galdrin, I love this little bit because when he goes after her it's basically like he swings at her once she like parries it or like you know throws it off he goes in again and he just like smacks the shit out of her like <laughs> and then she passes that. out <laughs> but i just like it because so many times we have these overpowered heroines who without having put the work in without you know having sufficient time pass by they magically have all of these fighting abilities or they're, you know, naturally gifted or they have magic. And it's like, no, she went face to face with some dude in and in two strikes fell off her horse. Right. Like, okay, I've been <laughs> knocked in first the into the ground. Oh, oh, I just cringe because I've been knocked in the head a few times and I didn't black out, but I felt like I was about to. Yeah. And I was like in not this kind of environment. Yeah. It's like disorienting. And she even she has like all the chain mail on too. Oh, so right. it's super heavy in Riding horses, like you constantly feel like your balance is like not quite there. Mm -hmm. And then someone pushes you a little bit over and you have all of this chain mail on, like you're going down. <laughs> and she's tiny. She's like a petite she's person. Little, little, yeah. lots of hair. Yeah. That's okay. why I love it. Cause she could not have gone head to head with some king who, you know, has probably been fighting his whole life and had anything other than what happened happened. Like not realistically. No. That's what I appreciated. I, I agree with so you. So it was blasé, but it was realistic. <laughs> it, and it, I love that. <laughs> perfect summary. Yes. I like that. Yes. All right. Well, remember the covenant and the tree po people. Like mm -hmm. The whole I should stop calling them tree people. It's the hill folk. Is the their hill folk. The hill folk. <laughs> it's their proper name. <laughs> this is the whole reason Mel and Bran are up in arms in the first place. Like so like circling back around to that issue. Shivraith and his friends, basically the whole of the Ramalna court are pretty much despised King Galdrin, mm -hmm. mostly because he was a shitty human being that inspired fear in everyone around him, and he destroyed the country with his tax policies. Like everyone, <laughs> oh, everyone taxes. Yeah, taxes. It's always it's always taxes. Everyone was on board with displacing him before knowing anything about his intent to break the magical covenant that would throw the entire country into an even worse war. Mel and Bran, in the very beginning, prior to all the guerrilla warfare. Like, they sought to recruit other nobles to their cause. Oh, and that was that letter I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, like, you, you brought this up with the letter. And mm -hmm. so, like, they promised, like, the rest of the court. They sent all these covert letters to all these courtiers, um, promising that they had very sensitive evidence of King Galdron's intent to break the covenant. Mm -hmm. like, keep in mind, this is like going to Vatican City and saying the Pope is going to rewrite the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody bought it. Like, Nobody. Yeah. Two backwoods country bumpkins arrive at court for the first time claiming there's a giant conspiracy to destroy the country. Like, I wouldn't buy it either. Yeah. And I think it's talked about later in the book, but the courtiers kind of have this very reasonable response. Um, I think one of the characters says it or something, but they're like, you didn't offer us any protections. So it's like, you're oh, asking, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. you're asking us to give up everything that we have, all of our like safety, our lives uh for what some, what's your evidence yeah like some mysterious piece of evidence that you're not going to tell me about directly and you don't have any kind of like safeguards in place like i would love to support the hill folk mm -hmm. but it's gonna be enough for me yeah. man <laughs> that's, a good, yeah, that's, that's a 
that way, that went down. Now, now we're good. <laughs> but you know, Mel really does have legitimate evidence against the king, courtesy of her badass family spy, Azzy. Azzy, Azzy's back. <laughs> like all of the evidence is in this nicely folded up letter she could keep in her pocket. Just in a letter. Do you remember what the evidence was? I don't. They were very. It was like a letter from King Galdron to someone else. And he was like promising. No, no, to like a foreign, another country. Yeah. And he was promising that they could have some of the color woods uh, as payment to like help him fight or mm -hmm. something. I bet people have like that had read the book or probably like yelling at us through, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in their cars that's okay we're, we're gonna get some of these details wrong yeah we it's will... just something to that effect you know the color woods hill color folk woods. we're gonna die mm -hmm. yada yada <laughs> let's let's return to our boss challenge score stats yeah. okay galdron is dead yes mel and brand survive yes shivrayeth is com competently handling the management of an entire nation and military following the sudden death of its monarch that's my boy <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. You can't have him just to yourself. Um, I'll share. Okay. Would he? Would he be okay with that? I think he might. <laughs> That's no. He strikes me as one of those very. Uh... I want to say a grandma, but that's not right. But like someone very, <laughs> pretty conservative, <laughs> yeah, super conservative, super you know planned out, like nothing chaotic ever. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is a person. Lawful good. Yo, oh my God. Yeah. Lawful mm -hmm. good. Done. Mm -hmm. Instantaneous. I love that dynamic between people, though. <laughs> like, you have, like, a lawful uh, good character that has any kind of interaction with a chaotic good, and it's just absolute mayhem. <laughs> I love watching it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Shivraya hasn't crowned himself king. Oh, true. He he's way too smart for that. Plus, there are several other potentially legitimate claims to the throne. Uh, but conveniently, Galdron hasn't left behind any, like, child heirs. Oopsie. Yep. Mel is done, though. She's freaking tired, ready to go home. Bran, on the other hand, is ready to go party it up in the capital with his buddy. Wild. I know. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> like, you're just going to leave your baby sister yeah. to go, like, hang out. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's also feeling pretty internally defeated. Like, for months, she's been fighting against two enemies, like Shiv Wraith and Galdron, only to realize that she royally messed up and, in fact, inhibited a lot of forward momentum with for their cause with her assumptions about Vidanric. Mm -hmm. It's in this moment, Mel isn't just another heroine for me. Absolutely. She does some internal reflection and accountability and decides to leave this very important evidence regarding the covenant with not her brother, but with Vidanric. Mm. She does this knowing that her document will nearly guarantee that Vidanric gets the supporters he needs amongst the rest of the nobility and Galdron's surviving allies. This was her, not her coming to Jesus moment, but her test of her character development. I feel like this was a moment that you're like, oh, wow, Mel has grown as a person. Like she has realized that she's seen all the evidence as in like uh, all of her interactions with other people and them being like, yeah, you guys are like excited and we want to support you, but it's kind of a long shot. And she's like, okay, like I am maybe not the best person to be spearheading this revolution. <laughs> My brother is maybe not the right person to be on the throne. It's like her development moment where she's like the dandrick you know the marquee should have this evidence i'm just gonna leave quietly love it it's, 
she she does this in such a male style though yeah like okay during a lull in activities she sneaks into vidanrick's office and leaves this document on his desk next to a pair of gloves oh interesting gloves, gloves you say gloves, i say <laughs> interesting <laughs> gloves. remember that for later episodes gloves uh, is a it's a theme. thing mm -hmm. thing capital t thing <laughs> yeah well then she hightails it out of there like without a word to anyone including bran and then she just goes home i feel that though no, me too I've done i that. don't like confrontation mm -mm. i would much rather just kind of like sneak out like parties if i'm ready to go home you like look around you're like where did katie go and it's like i've been gone for like three <laughs> hours i am at home in bed <laughs> no fucks given it's like oh okay she's gone i feel like mel's the same way she's like nope i'm not going to have to like you know, talk to him. Oh God, Hell no! Talk to anyone? <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm just gonna leave this evidence here, and then like I don't have to be embarrassed. Like my pride's still not really intact <laughs> it's there. But she thinks a little bit. by like a little thread, maybe. But mm -hmm. she doesn't actually have to like talk to him, and then she leaves. But it's like that's a vibe. Absolutely done. <laughs> a vibe. <laughs> this is why we love Mel so much. Yep. Yeah. Yep. She's just like everyone else. <laughs> Does not want to come to terms with things. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Well, that's the, I mean, that's it. Yeah. It's crazy because so much happens that you get to the end and you're like, oh, shit. Like, We're that's done. a natural ending. But there's so much not done that you're like, what happens now? Yeah. Like, where's where's the next book? Mm -hmm. But then the next book is full of good shit. It's equally <laughs> good. Equally full of yes really cool things yeah which is impressive because there are a lot of authors that rely on cliffhanger endings or like some unresolved like really intense plot line to make you read the second book but this one you're like what is she gonna do and then all of a sudden there's a whole 300 page book and you're like what could this possibly mm -hmm. be about <laughs> i mean okay so if you didn't like this book as much as we did because we mm adored this book like, yes we like let's say it again we've already read this book several times mm -hmm. and we wanted to start our podcast with this book because yes. it is so good and mel is such a great heroine and it's underrated it i is. feel like no one ever talks about this book mm -hmm. but it's it hits all of the tropes that people love yeah we're not going to get into it without like spoiling no we can't episodes. we just have to get to the we have to get to book two yes but think of all of the tropes that you love right now that are like that's hot right now mm -hmm. this has all of them <laughs> It just keeps going. And I will say, so this is Crown Duel, mm -hmm. um, part one. I feel like this is the uh, young adult book. And then Court Duel, this book two, is like the new adult. That's that's accurate. I would say. So if you felt like this was a little bit young, the next one isn't as young. Not at all. Yeah. So with that little, <laughs> with uh, that little <laughs> teaser tidbit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um from our shelf to yours. We'll see you on the next page. Hi, readers. If you'd like to help us pick our next book, send us a message on Instagram. Or if you'd like to just listen, we post new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Thanks for listening.